Hey everyone, it's Bobby Sylvester, and we have a wide receiver breakdown coming up. But first, a message from one of the sponsors of today's show, Playdraft.com. So I got hooked on these best ball leagues last year. It's where you have to draft a huge 18-team roster with no kicker, no defense, and then you don't make any moves during the season, no waiver wire, no trades, no roster setting. It just takes your best lineup every single week, and there is so much strategy to these leagues. This preseason, I've been doing them all on Playdraft.com and on their app. When you sign up and deposit using Playdraft.com slash Fantasy Pros, you'll get free entry into a best ball league. Plus, you'll get notifications anytime Tags and I create a draft so you can draft against us. Again, that's playdraft.com slash fantasy pros. All right, let's talk some football. Welcome back to the Fantasy Bros Football Podcast with Mike Tagliere and I'm Bobby Sylvester. Today we're going to discuss all of the fallout from the weekend's injury news. Then we're going to take a deep dive into our wide receiver tiers to help prep you for your drafts. Tags, how was your weekend, buddy? Oh, it was good. It was um, stress-filled. I mean, I had my uh, home league drafts this weekend, and uh, and then all of a sudden there's all these injuries happening. I know we're going to talk about all of them today, but it was just like, where can I find a computer to get to to update my rankings? Because things just seem to be happening over and over, and it was it was a busy weekend, man. But uh, but uh, I'm I'm happy to get some of my drafts out of the way so I can start focusing on week one and kind of just get into the season. Yeah, I watched some football myself and tagged the play that Bengals punter made was just amazing. Did you see that thing? I did see it. It was kind of like a an NBA behind the back type deal. It was just so smooth too. Like it was almost like he mapped that out and he knew he was going to do it because there is no way that that was spur of the moment. Yeah, and you know he got crushed right afterward, but they don't show that in the highlights. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, anyway, I also did my first non-experts draft this weekend. This one was with my brother-in-laws, and it was an auction draft. And after the draft, as I do with every single league tags. I immediately imported my roster to my playbook. It took like three seconds, just copy the URL code, and it graded my team. That's what it's going to do for you guys. It graded me number one, and if you guys do as many mock drafts on Draft Wizards as I do, I'll bet you end up number one too. Then you can just screenshot it for bragging rights on your league forum. Uh, Tags, do you do the same thing right after your drafts, man? That, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up, Bobby. It's something I for, keep forgetting to tell people to do. Is like We have a lot of people on Twitter now where it's like, I, you know, we always try and get to every question, right? But when people are sending me, I know there's a lot of podcast listeners out there that are sending me uh, pictures of the roster saying, you know, Mike, be proud of me. You know, I, I took your rankings. I did this. And, you know, I would love to grade every single team. But I, I, by doing it justice, I don't want to do that. Just put it in my playbook and it will literally grade your team right then and there. Let you know with how your you league did. settings, which we, we can't know through a tweet. Exactly. And that's the thing. It just takes too long to do that. So I apologize for not getting to all those. But I promise you, this advice will help you out. Absolutely. So, Tags, I put my money where my mouth is this weekend on Sammy Watkins and Kevin White. Then it turns out Cam Meredith went down for the season, which is a huge bummer for him, for Bears fans. But we do have to ask, how far up in your rankings does White move? And is there any other movement among Chicago offensive players? Yeah, and this is important. Uh, we need to, uh, you know, it's funny. While I was watching the Bears game, I was sitting here at my desk watching the Bears game while I was like working on some research for week one. And I, I watched everything kind of take place. And as I was watching the Bears before the Meredith injury even took place, I was watching Kendall Wright and he's been involved since week one of the preseason. He's good. He was, yeah, he was on the field uh, before Victor Cruz in the first week and he's been every single week. So he's been starting in three wide receiver sets. So it was something I, I was actually updating my rankings as it was going on. And I actually moved Kendall right up before Cameron Meredith got hurt so now with Meredith out for the season and that definitely is out for the season like it was a brutal injury if you didn't they see just the announced it was an ACL tear by the way yeah and they said there's other damage uh they had to d- determine the extent of it I think there's multiple ligaments that are going to be torn inside there and it could be a career ender for him like a like a Teddy Bridgewater type concern but you know, I after that, obviously, I went back and looked at everything. And I want to talk to you about Kevin White, Bobby. And I know you wanted to talk about this and the effect it has. I moved up Kevin White to my wide receiver 42. Now, whoa, now there's people out there. So I, I want to be clear, you know, and be transparent here. I'm not sitting here and telling you that Kevin White is the the, the wide receiver that the Bears drafted. I'm not telling you that he's a top seven overall. Well, pick. if he like, was, he'd be a top 20 wide receiver, right? Correct. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people out there t- saying Kevin White's bad and this is, don't draft him. He still sucks. I, you know, the, the, that's kind of rude because if you've never done your job, <laughs> how can someone grade you on your job? We've never We've seen, seen three Kevin weeks. White. We saw him, 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We've seen him for a couple healthy weeks of his career. You cannot determine whether or not a player is good or bad. Now, you may have your own personal feelings about Kevin White as a player, but I promise you this. He is going to see 100-plus targets by default. And I have some stats here for you, Bobby. In 2016, the lowest amount of wide receiver targets on one single team was the Bills, and that was 244. The next closest was the Titans at 279. The average number in the NFL for wide receiver targets per team in 2016 was 344. All right, so when you start looking at these targets, the Bears number was at 383. They have the same offensive coordinator. They have the same head coach. If you recall, I know you do, Bobby. Kevin White was getting targeted a ton in the first four weeks of last season. Alshon's gone. Cameron Meredith's gone. So when you look at the wide receiver core of Kevin White, Kendall Wright, Victor Cruz, I mean, Cruz was in danger of being cut. He was playing into the fourth uh, fourth quarter of the first preseason game, but he's going to make it now. Marcus Wheaton, who is shelved, he's injured right now. Where do you suppose that three, these 350-plus targets are going to go? So, again, Kevin White if is Kevin a virtual... White's healthy, it's Kevin White. And I like Zach Miller, too. I actually moved him up in my rankings about three or four spots at tight end. We've talked about him. I think he's a playmaker, but he's not like a tight end one or anything. It's Kevin White. Well, Deion Sims supposed like it seems like Deion Sims is their tight end one, and it's confusing because Adam Shaheen's there and Zach Miller. But here's the the stat I was trying to get to here is that so the league's most inefficient wide receiver last year with more than 100 targets was Jeremy Curley last year. He saw more than 100 targets. He finished as the number 60 wide receiver. He's got an average depth of target of like two yards. Tavon Austin was next. <laughs> He's got an average depth of target of two yards. So the first perimeter wide receiver you see with 100 targets. The lowest he finished was Brandon Marshall at number 52. We know he was brutally bad last year. We know he had brutal quarterback play. If you go back to 2015, the lowest a wide receiver finished with 100 targets was number 44 wide receiver. So we are talking about Kevin White's floor of being like a wide receiver 50, but he's being drafted right now as the 63rd wide receiver in drafts. Guys, he could see 140 targets too, by the way. I... 100% agree, Bobby. And I know that I know I'm ranting, but I wanted to, I wanted to make you happy with these stats today because I know you've been a Kevin White supporter. But it, today, there's another reason to get excited about it. And over the last four years, there have been just five wide receivers who have seen at least 120 targets and finished outside of wide receiver three territory. I think Kevin White should see 120 targets if he's healthy, which makes yeah. the odds of him finishing in the wide receiver three territory, regardless of how bad you think he is. They make those odds really good. So Kevin White is definitely, definitely a late round target now. And I want, you know, I just want to make everybody informed because people are like, well, wait, if, if people thought he was bad, then why should we draft him? It's all about volume. And it's hard to find a wide receiver as late as you're getting him getting 100. And maybe he's targets. really good, too. I mean, there's upside there. Like it, it, it's safe. And there's upside, and he's being drafted wide receiver 63. That's the point. I, I think I, I think that we're ha we hammered this home, and I, that's what I'm saying. I just want people to understand, and don't be one of those people to s just say Kevin White sucks because other people do. You don't know that. I don't know that. You know, w whatever you feel about him, we have not seen him play in the NFL yet. I've got him in the same range as guys like Jamison Crowder, Willie Sneed, Pierre Garçon, Marvin Jones, Randall Cobb. Uh, so I, right now I have him wide receiver number 35. I had him wide receiver number 43 before this. So I didn't move him up too much, but, you know, he was tied with Robbie Anderson, in my opinion, and a guy like Ted Ginn, and now he's jumped up into uh, the better tier. So, yeah, you're asking me, where would I take Kevin White? I'd take him in the top 100 picks. I don't think you need to, but I would. Yeah, that's, you know, I know we're going to talk about wide receiver tiers today, and uh, Kevin White is definitely in that conversation. He's right in between Marvin Jones, Jordan Matthews, and Kenny Britt for me right now. Okay. So, Tags, the bigger news, of course, is that Spencer Ware went down and is now out for the season. So let's talk Kareem Hunt here. Yeah, what's your take on this, Bobby? Before I get into my thing, I, I've been talking a little while about Kevin White. I mean, go figure. I'm the one who's talking about Kevin White. But what yeah. was your immediate <laughs> reaction? What was your immediate reaction when Spencer Ware was announced out for the season? Of course. Yeah, I mean, well, everyone knows what I think about Kevin White, so we don't need to talk about that. But, you know, both of us were really high on Spencer Ware and really high on Kareem Hunt. It's just a matter of who got the job. Now that we know who has the job and they're not competing against the other one, I mean, Spencer Ware had to worry about Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt doesn't really need to worry about Charkandrick West. I'm sure because Andy Reid's there, West is still going to get plenty of touches and everything. But Hunt, I would go as far as saying, is the bell cow back in an Andy Reid offense. And so Spencer Ware was going in the fifth round. I think he should have gone in the late fourth. I'm taking Kareem Hunt in the middle of the third round. Same spot as Lamar Miller. I can't decide which one I like more. 
I would take Kareem Hunt over Lamar Miller every single day of the week. I actually moved yeah, up I think, Kareem I, Hunt. I'm leaning that direction. Yeah, and the thing is, I'm not even a huge Kareem Hunt fan. I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out of college, but the situation that he landed in forced me to move him up my draft boards because when you play for Andy Reid, you're going to get touches. And, you know, again, we, we did like Spencer Ware, right? But here's the thing. When you're drafting Kareem Hunt, you are drafting an Andy Reid running back is more than you are anything. I really don't even care about Kareem Hunt, the talent. I'm talking about the actual situation he's in. So... Over the last four years, there have been a mixture of Jamal Charles, you know, uh, Spencer Ware, Charkandrick West, and Niall Davis starting for the Chiefs. In those four years, there have been 64 games played. Of those 64 games, a lead running back has hit 16 touches in 51 of them. So therefore, 80%. Oh, baby. 80% of games. So if, if, if the games they started, Charles averaged 21 touches. Ware was at 19.6. West, 20.9. Niall Davis, 24.4. So if you can lock down... A running back with 16 touches per game, he is a starter in any offense, let alone one that consistently produces wide or RB1 numbers. So for me, Kareem Hunt, you can make the case that he should go at the end of the second round. I will every like if I had a draft right right now and I have like five drafts over the next two days, I would take Kareem Hunt at the start of the third round without hesitation because that's, you know, we've talked about that, Bobby, where that's like the dead area of drafts. And there's really no one there that you're you end up reaching for players where I talked about, you know, Travis Kelsey is a third round pick because it's a dead area. Kareem Hunt belongs there. I wouldn't take him over Leonard Fournette. I know friend of the podcast, JJ Zacharyson was was saying that Kareem Hunt is probably going to be the number one rookie running back. I wouldn't go that far yet, but I do. I and I, I don't. I think it's a lot closer than people think. Interesting. That's that's amazing because uh, I thought there was a pretty big drop off after Gurley and Fournette and Melvin Gordon and all those guys before Kareem Hunt, but um, I, I hadn't seen that anyone was willing to take him in the late second, early third. That seems a little high for me, but you know, I can see him getting a lot of volume. There's not many question marks about Kareem Hunt. There's question marks about Fournette's foot, about their quarterback play. You can say what you want about Alex Smith, but he's better than Blake Bortles. So it'll be interesting to see how high he goes here. I've seen him going in the fifth round, and I just wanted to see, you know, when I'm out doing mock drafts, like where he's going when I'm not drafting him. Because I would take him in the third round, but I'm just curious what the general public thinks on him. So if your draft is coming up this week, before everyone catches wind of how high he should be going, I think you should be able to get a value on him and Kevin White. Um, Now, we also had Julian Edelman news. Before we get to that, if you haven't heard, we're giving away a signed Odell Beckham jersey from Mm pristineauction.com. The signups for this contest end Sunday, so make sure to get them in. Just screenshot your review and subscription on iTunes and send it to us at contest at fantasypros.com. That's going to get you entry into every single contest for the rest of the year that we do. We also contacted the participants of the Listener League Monday morning, so if you didn't make it, thank you for your entries. There were some awesome ones that didn't make it. Better luck to you all next year. Uh, So, Tags, let's talk about Julian Edelman now. He is out for the season. And a lot of people are scrambling to get Chris Hogan. I saw him drafted in the seventh round in one league. I actually don't think he's the guy you move up that much. I think it's Danny Amendola, who, frankly, I didn't even have in my top 100 receivers. Now he's all the way up at number 70. And also Malcolm Mitchell. People are forgetting about him. He was really good at the end of last year. Yep. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell's the ceiling play right here. I mean, I have a lot of Malcolm Mitchell and best ball, and I had that before the Edelman injury. So, you know, in the play draft leagues we're talking about, I I own a lot of Malcolm Mitchell because you always want a part of those high scoring offense. Now, with that being said, Danny Amendola is not someone who's going to win you a league. So I won't find myself like drafting a whole lot of Amendola. And I honestly, yeah. you know, with the, the thing with Chris Hogan. We have to figure out where these targets go because over the last four years, Julian Edelman has averaged almost 10 targets per game. Like it's just it's massive considering the lack of production in terms of of all those targets. I know he's a slot receiver. I get all that. But I I believe this is going to be spread out over the entire offense. I think that the running backs are going to get some of those targets. James White has always been a a running back target for me in PPR leagues. I think he's going to finish. I I mean, I can't rank him there just because of who I'd have to put him over. But I know James White, if he's on the field for 16 games, he's going to finish as a top 30 PPR running back. So get James White uh, in your league. But for me, all this did for me over the weekend was move Brandon Cooks into the tier with Amari Cooper and Doug Baldwin. I am more. Oh, he should be higher than that. I don't, I don't, I can't put him higher than that because he's still going to be, he's still going to be somewhat inconsistent in this Patriots offense. Okay. Still yeah, are, that's true. There's still a lot of options here, but I put, I actually smashed him right in between Cooper and Baldwin. I have uh, Brandon Cooks as my number nine wide receiver. So he's a, a rock solid 
number two wide receiver uh, or a second round wide receiver right now to aim for in that range. And that there was like, you know, the wide receivers, you never felt good taking T.Y. Hilton with the things going on with Andrew Locke, Des Bryant's schedule. So now you should feel comfortable moving Brandon Cook's, you know, his ceiling up because those the 10 targets a game, it's a lot. Yeah, so I had Brandon Cooks as my number 10 wide receiver before this weekend. He was ahead of Doug Baldwin, ahead of Amari Cooper, ahead of Des Bryant. I mean, you guys heard me talking about it. He was the guy I was targeting in the late second round if Gronkowski wasn't there. And it's because, you know, he only had 117 targets last year. It wasn't like the Saints, he was the only wide receiver there. He was the number two behind Michael Thomas. He's the number one now. Maybe Gronkowski could get that designation, but I think it's Brandon Cooks. And uh, Brandon Cooks could get 140 targets now that Julian Edelman's gone. So he was the number seven wide receiver last year, extremely young. He's in an offense that I think is better suited for him because Tom Brady loves to throw to guys like Brandon Cooks. And, uh, you know, Drew Brees just spreads the ball all around. The last time Tom Brady had a true number one wide receiver like this, I mean, Brandon Cooks is, is nothing like Randy Moss, but Randy Moss set records, man. Brandon Cooks could be exceptional. And right now he's being drafted as the number 12 wide receiver. He was number seven last year. I don't see a situation getting any worse, Tex. Well, that's the thing. So Brandon Cooks isn't your prototypical number one receiver. I think the reason that I can't put him up in the conversation with guys like A.J. Green, Mike Evans, or even Michael Thomas for that matter, is because... He's not a he's not a throw it up to him and let him get it type of wide receiver where if Brady's in trouble. He you know, I think that when I think of prototypical number one wide receivers, I think a quarterback's in trouble. Who's he going to throw it to even if he's covered? And Brandon Cooks is not that guy. So for me, Brandon Cooks, he does come down in that territory with like Doug Baldwin. His ups are going to be there. Right. I think he could finish as a top five wide receiver. But in terms of consistent play week over week, I don't know if it's there. So for me. Behind Amari Cooper, I think that's right where he's slated, but Cooper and Cooks are are hand in hand. Actually, him and Baldwin, they're all in the same exact tier for me in my fourth tier of wide receivers. So I, I, I wouldn't fault anybody for taking, you know, Cooks over Cooper. Definitely wouldn't fault them for doing that. I'm taking Brandon Cooks right now at number 15 overall. That might be a little high for you guys, but right there in the middle of the second round, I, I'm all for it. So let's get into our wide receiver tiers. I know we wanted to talk, we're talking about those today. So I want to know where you're at in terms of Cook's period. Like who, who would you take him over? Would you take him over someone like Michael Thomas or Jordy Nelson? I've got him right there with Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson's number 13, Gronkowski's 14, Brandon Cook's 15. So it's really close. Brandon Cook's is my number eight wide receiver. I've got Brown, Julio Jones, and Julio Jones is only above Beckham because of Beckham's injury question mark. Beckham's right behind him, though, at number three. A.J. Green right over Mike Evans, and then there's a pretty big drop-off to Michael Thomas and Jordy Nelson and Brandon Cooks, and then a pretty substantial drop-off. So that's my tiers one and two. I would put Brown, Jones, and Beckham in the first tier. Yeah, I have Brown, Jones, Beckham. I had Jones over OBJ to begin with. I haven't moved Beckham down my board at all. I think that there's still a gap between him and Mike Evans and A.J. Green. Second tier. Evans and Green, uh, again, these two, depends on which day you ask me which one I want. I just feel like Evans is a little bit more durable uh, with his body type. I think A.J. Green's ceiling might be higher. Uh, but even watching the, the Bengals game yesterday, A.J. Green, he's just a, like a stick figure. He's so good. He really is. And like I think he's a top three talent in this league in terms he's of He's the most receivers. talented wide receiver on the planet, right? A.J. Green? I say Julio Jones, but A.J. Green is, is so much better than people think. I think he's not even he's not just a volume guy. He's just so good. Um, but his durability is a question mark, which is why I would probably take Evans over him. I don't think you can go wrong with either. That's two. fair. And then that they're, Evans and Green are in their own tier. I wouldn't take Michael Thomas over those guys, but Michael Thomas and Jordy, the next tier, and then, and then tier four gets into Cooper, Cooks, and Baldwin. So I think there's a clear separator, though, once I get after Jordy. I think Jordy is the the end of the guys who I feel... 100% set on like I know they're going to produce you know 80% of the time that I want them to whereas Cooper Cooks and Baldwin you may take a step down to 60 70% of the time now you don't have T.Y. Hilton or Des Bryant in that tier is that right no I, I have actually dropped them down those two are in the next tier with uh, Devontae Adams I know some people don't want to rank Devontae, Devontae Adams. Adams whoa I've got him yeah. way down we'll have to talk about that one so so why don't you have T.Y. Hilton I know why you don't have Des Bryant it's the scheduling issue I agree with you 100% on that. I've got him as my number 13 wide receiver, and he's being drafted number eight. So I'm not getting him in any drafts. I'm fine with that. Yeah, so Hilton, the reason is is it's the luck concern. It's finally gotten to the point now where I'm concerned where he's going to miss time. It's just a matter of how much. I don't think that there's any possible 
way he plays week one now. I'm preparing for two weeks out right now, and that hurts Hilton, right? Because he's a wide receiver over his career. He's been awful without Andrew Luck, where he relies on the big arm of Andrew Luck. So if we're taking off two games, we have to knock him down out of that tier. He was never someone that got me too excited to begin with. I always felt like he was a little more boomer bust than, than most of the wide receivers that I would take as a wide receiver one. Granted, he led the NFL in yards last year, but he's not a touchdown scorer. He's not going to score you eight to 10 touchdowns. So for me, he, it falls down into that tier with those guys. I, I think it's okay winding up with him as your wide receiver one because it means you got a stud running back most likely in the first round. But I, I haven't ended up with T.Y. Hilton on most teams because of the players like Cooks, like, like Baldwin, like Amari Cooper that I would take over him in the second round. I'm not especially excited about Hilton. Like if he's the guy I end up with, that just means all of my players were taken before me. I like him right about at his ADP, maybe a little bit lower, because I don't think Luck is going to miss the six weeks that everyone's scared of. That's why Luck's being drafted in the ninth round in a lot of drafts. It's because everyone's like, oh man, he's going to be out six weeks, maybe the entire season. No, guys, he's probably going to miss week one. He might miss week two. Maybe he'll miss another game here and there. But, you know, you look at the type of player Russell Wilson is running all over the field. They've also got the worst offensive line in football. I would probably put the over-under on his games missed pretty dang close to where I have Andrew Luck's games missed. And I think T.Y. Hilton's a better receiver than Doug Baldwin. So I've got him just ahead of Doug Baldwin on my rankings. It's fair. It's close. Uh, it's definitely close. I just it, Hilton was in that tier until we started missing time with Luck, which moved him down. But Devontae Adams, I mean, I'm, I know a lot of people are with you, Bobby, though. Like, I have him at number 13. And it has to do with who I have him in front of, right? I mean, Demarius Thomas, Allen Robinson, Alshon Jeffrey, Sammy Watkins, Terrell Pryor. These, all these guys have question marks at quarterback. For me, like Devontae Adams has the best quarterback ever to put, put his hands on a football, as far as I'm concerned. And from week four on last year, the only wide receivers to outscore Adams were Odell Beckham, Jordy Nelson, Antonio Brown, and Mike Evans. That's Whoa, it. whoa, man, that is a great stat. Yeah, and let's not pretend that Jordy Nelson's not going to be playing at age 32 this season. You know, he may come more down to like a possession style receiver and Devontae Adams may be the field stretcher of this offense now because Randall Cobb, he's not a field stretcher. He's the, He's been the slot guy throughout his career. So Devontae Adams, he's someone who finished as a top 10 wide receiver last year while he didn't even reach a thousand yards. It just shows playing for Aaron Rodgers is going to do great things for your productivity. And it's, it's, it's very well possible that Devonte Adams overtakes Jordy Nelson this year. I'm not going to bet on that. You're right. There's a chance. Yeah. At some point, Nelson is going to decline. They're going to have too many options over the middle of the field with Nelson, Cobb, Martellus Bennett, whereas Devonte Adams, he could be used in a lot of different ways. And if you go back to last year when people weren't drafting Devonte Adams, if you read in between the tea leaves with Aaron Rodgers and what he was saying, he said, we need Devontae Adams to be part of this offense. Like he said the same thing about Randall Cobb this offseason, but Devontae Adams, he said they're a better football team when he's playing to, the, to his highest level and that he's going to be a star in this league. When Aaron Rodgers says that about you, it's, it's a, it speaks volumes. So for me, Devontae Adams at 13, I don't I don't think you need to draft him there, but he's going for whatever reason, he's going behind all these other guys with quarterback concerns. So you taking him over Des Bryant? No, I have him one spot behind Des. So you've got Des number 12, Devontae Adams number 13. I'm curious who your 14 is. There's somebody else I have in the mix here, and I know people are going to cringe at this, but the hate on Sammy Watkins had just gone way, way, way too far. His ADP is wide receiver number 25 right now. I saw the Jared Goff highlights this weekend. He was horrible again. Okay, we saw him being competent the other day. Sean McVay is an offensive genius. Sammy Watkins is going from an offense where, look, you can say what you want about Jared Goff and about Case Keenum. They threw for more yards than Tyrod Taylor and the Buffalo Bills did last year. This is an offense that's going to pass more than the Bills did. He has less competition in Los Angeles than he has in Buffalo. I don't see why Sammy Watkins is going to get less targets. I think he'll get more targets. Maybe they'll score more touchdowns too. I mean, this Buffalo Bills offense is not great. They run the ball a ton. Sean McCoy is going to be a vulture on the on the goal line carries. So is Jonathan Williams. So, you know, I, I still like Sammy Watkins as much as I did before. I've still got him ahead of Amari Cooper. And so I know I don't need to draft him until the fourth round. But if it came down to it, like, I would take him in the third round. I'm still a huge believer in Sammy Watkins. Wait, did you say you'd take Sammy Watkins over Amari Cooper? Yeah, yeah, I sure would. Oh no, oh that that's a horrible take. I I, I give you enough. <laughs> this is this is one of those this is one of those detention worthy statements, Bobby. Do no not, way, man. Guys, we we can make a bet. I don't even need to give you. Let's do it on the air right now. Let's make let's make a bet. So if Sammy Watkins out out if he scores more 
than Amari Cooper on a should points per game basis. Should we assume health here? Is that fair? Should we assume yeah, health? Yeah, let's do a let's do a point per game basis. Okay. Okay. So point points per game, standard or PPR doesn't matter to me. You want to do PPR standard? What do you want to do? Standard. All right. So standard format, points per game. The loser. Let's do the combine thing. Let's do it. Where okay. like the loser has to do the combine and they have to post the results on Twitter. All right. I don't know if I'll be able to do the full combine because I don't know what that all entails, but yeah, like definitely the 40 yard dash. I don't know if I can get my hand. I don't even know where those things are like that you lift up for the bench press. I've never seen one of those before, but the 40 yard dash, I'm all for that, man. Yeah. This is going to be fantastic. I didn't think that you had Watkins that high. Now, me, I actually, in my one of my in my home league this weekend, I got Sammy Watkins in the seventh round. That is so stupid. No, oh, no, hold on. The, and the thing is, I actually passed on him a couple times because I was like, you know, I, I, I have him in so many different best ball leagues. I'm, I don't need to overexpose myself to Sammy Watkins with Jared Goff. And then he kept falling and I'm like, okay, I'll take Watkins. And they're all like, you're dumb. And I, I, and I understand the knock because Jared Goff looked atrocious. Like his, his stat line didn't look as bad as his play. He only targeted Sammy Watkins once and it sailed like five yards over his head. Uh, and he was intercepted on that pass, actually. I think Watkins is going to be a solid, like a low end wide receiver, too. And that's fine. For, for where he's falling in drafts because he's falling he's being drafted behind Kelvin Benjamin right now yeah he's falling in drafts quite a bit I, I don't think he should fall that far but at the same time I have serious worries about Jared Goff with what I've seen this weekend and, and again I, I've been on the board saying J- Jared Goff may not be as bad as people think I wasn't going to grade him on one season but man he went from from decent in week two of the preseason to week three it was just oh I mean yeah, I was left like rubbing my temples and it just it was not ideal watching him. So Sammy Watkins is in that next tier for me. He's at 17. He's my wide receiver 17 right now. OK, Tags, let's take a break here to hear from another one of our sponsors. These days you can get practically everything on demand like our podcast. Listen whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. So why are you still going to the post office and dealing with their limited hours when you can get postage on demand with stamps.com? Folks, any single thing. You can do it at the post office. You can do right from your desk with Stamps.com. It's incredible. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. And unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes, so you can get your postage when you want it 24-7. I put more value into my time than just about anything, and since I started using Stamps.com, I have saved so much time. I sincerely recommend this service to every single person listening. Just one trip prevented from the long lines is well worth the cost. And right now, Fantasy Pros even has a special offer for you with a four-week trial that includes postage and a digital scale. This offer is so great that they can do it because virtually everyone who takes advantage of the offer realizes just how good their service is, and I'm sure you will too. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Fantasy Pros. That's stamps.com and enter fantasy pros stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Okay. Tag. So after we get through this tier and I guess Sammy Watkins isn't even in your next tier, which I think is just crazy. I mean, you had him in your top 30 overall, and then all of a sudden he goes to a better situation and you drop him like 70 spots. I don't understand, but we can move on from that. So who do you have after this? I've got Terrell Pryor, Larry Fitzgerald, Demarius Thomas, Golden Tate, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson. I have Demarius Thomas at 14, and I'm not even a huge, I'm not a Demarius fan. This comes down to consistency and and safety at the position, right? I I don't own much Demarius Thomas because I don't like drafting guys like him on my team. I feel like he's like a Frank Gore of wide receivers where he's good enough to get you like third place. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to end up with Demarius Thomas unless I have two ultra risky first picks, which, which is unlikely for me. Uh, But you go down and this is, this is the tier where it's like a bunch of questionable quarterback play. Uh, Demarius, Allen Robinson, Alshon Jeffrey. I know people want to get Gaga over Carson Wentz, but he's still a young quarterback, still learning. Sammy Watkins, Terrell Pryor, who, by the way, we're going to get it. He's not in this tier, but he's in my next one. Tyreek Hill and Terrell Pryor. Those two each have three drops this preseason, which leads the NFL uh, through the preseason. Three drops, and he's only got, I want to say, two catches. So Terrell Pryor is, uh, he's not doing so hot. Uh, He's not, you know, impressing me enough to the point where people were we're convincing me to move him up in my rankings. Let me it's ask you this though. Josh Doxson. Of all the people in this tier, I would point to Keenan Allen, even above Allen Robinson, but even above those two, I'd point to Terrell Pryor as being someone who could be a top five wide receiver. That's how I felt. And that's why I actually started moving him up. I brought him up initially when I did my ranks like two months ago, I had Terrell Pryor around number 24, 25, and I've moved him up to number 18. But after watching the preseason, he's got questionable hands. I, I watched that game yesterday. He does. He's, he, he's got 
you know, he he looks pretty solid in his route running. He's doing he's running them with a purpose. He's not being lazy. But it's just when it comes to the hands, dropping three balls, you know, on just I think seven targets is what he's seen through the preseason. It's not a good ratio. The reason that I haven't moved him down is because Josh Doxson is hurt. And if Josh Doxson can't get back on the field like sooner rather than later, Terrell Pryor probably is going to finish as a top 15 wide receiver just because he's going to see tons of targets because everybody around him is injured. You're absolutely right. So how do you feel about Larry Fitzgerald and Golden Tatum? I mean, you talked about the safety with Demarius Thomas. Both of these guys, Larry Fitzgerald, led the league in receptions last year. Golden Tate, three straight years with 90 receptions. There's only four guys who have done that, and Golden Tate's one of them. Golden Tate is, uh, I'm, I'm okay with him. I, I'm not going to forget about what happened at the start of last season. Golden Tate was being dropped off fantasy teams uh, after the first, I think, four weeks. He was he was awful. And, and then the head coach said, we're going to start working on getting the ball a little bit more. And they did. And he was really good <laughs> from that point forward. But... Marvin Jones also dipped off. So I think that there's a fine line in between here. I think Marvin Jones steps forward again. Golden Tate regresses a little bit. Eric Ebron comes forward. I just think that he's a solid wide receiver too. There's nothing wrong with him, but there's nothing exciting about him. Larry Fitzgerald is in that same category. As a matter of fact, I have them right next to each other in my rankings as low end wide receiver twos where uh, they're both solid. Larry Fitzgerald is someone that I'd be okay with you drafting. If you know your league mates are open to trading, because if you draft Larry Fitzgerald, play him for the first six weeks and then trade him because we've seen it. We've seen his play decline over the second half of the season. It happens with aging wide receivers. You know, if John Brown's not healthy, Larry Fitzgerald's going to see 150 targets again. And that's that's value. So I may be a little bit too low on him, but I I just think that age catches up with a player. And I I, I tend to try and anticipate that maybe a year before it happens. Uh, And last year, we've already seen the dip kind of starting with Fitzgerald. So low end wide receiver two seems about right for me. Okay, so after this tier tags, I think it gets super ugly. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. drafting any wide receivers in this tier except maybe Stephon Diggs, who we talked about a little bit last show. Just the schedule is absolutely incredible for the Vikings. And Diggs, when he's been healthy, has been dynamite. So this next tier, I've got DeAndre Hopkins, Alshon Jeffrey. Both make me just want to puke. Michael Crabtree, I just don't think he's a great value. Emmanuel Sanders, again, safe, but not a great value. I even stuck Jeremy Macklin all the way up in this tier. His ADP is wide receiver 39, but I'm a big believer in Macklin with all the passes Flacco's going to throw. And then Jarvis Landry, Tyreek Hill, and Stephon Diggs. It's, I mean, we're close in the tiers. I think I'm a, I'm actually a little bit higher on Elshon Jeffrey and Hopkins than you. I mean, I'm not high on those guys by any means. I'm, I'm, I'm taking them after their ADPs, but I'm, I'm higher than you on them. I have Stephon Diggs actually over Larry Fitzgerald and Golden Tate because I think okay. his floor... I think his floor is in the similar spot to those two, and I, but I think his ceiling is higher, which is why I wanted to put him there. I want to put him in front of Crabtree, but I'm always hesitant to do that because Crabtree always plays better than I expect him to. <laughs> uh, but but you're right. It's like the, this tier of receivers. I mean, you could see it going a lot of different ways, and I could make the case for Jeremy Macklin to be drafted as a top 20 wide receiver. I could make a case for him being drafted over DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not going to do that in my rankings, but I Definitely, definitely can make a case for it. I'm worried about DeAndre Hopkins. If you watch Man. the Houston, yes. I mean, the Houston, the Houston quarterbacks, they played, I think it was 59 of 70 snaps uh, between Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson against the Saints, the Saints defense, guys, the, the, the Saints defense that allowed a record amount of touchdowns two years ago. Oh, they were pretty good at the end of last season, though. This Saints defense is coming on. They got better, but they still, I want to say it was allowed. They allowed 27 uh, passing touchdowns. Maybe I don't, I don't, I think that's the number, uh, but it was, it was an improvement for sure. Uh, but I don't think Marshawn Lattimore is going to all of a sudden make them a shutdown unit. Delvin yeah. I mean, Rose don't hear me wrong. Hurt. They're still a bottom 16 defense. Right. And that's, that's the point is like the, no, these Houston quarterbacks led zero scoring drives. Like they didn't even kick a field goal. So my, I have concerns about Deandre Hopkins, his injury. It doesn't worry me. I think his hands fine. I think they're just keeping, keeping him out just because they don't need him on the field. But yeah, this tier is ugly, man. Uh, Calvin Benjamin is someone who's moving up a little bit. Uh, he's obviously still the number one red zone target for Cam Newton. Uh, he's got two touchdowns this preseason. I mean, Cam only threw two passes, uh, but it, one of them was a two yard touchdown to Calvin Benjamin. So it's an ugly area, but for me in, in this tier, I take the upside plays, which is why I like Stefan Diggs. I love Martavis Bryant. I'll have a lot of Martavis on my teams. How do you feel about Ty- Tyreek Hill? He's someone I, I've actually moved down a little bit as the preseason's gone on. I, I had my concerns about him and they're all kind of coming to light where it's just, I, I don't get excited picking him. Yeah. I, I'm eight spots lower than ADP on him. His ADP is number 19. 
I've got him number wow. 27. So I'm not going to own him in any leagues. Best ball leagues, I just drafted him in a play draft league in the fourth round because he's going to have some huge weeks, but he's going to have some real stinkers too, like more than any other wide receiver draft in the first, you know, five, six rounds. Yep, I agree 100%. I actually own a few uh, best ball shares of Tyreek Hill, but I won't have him in any redraft leagues. Now, we haven't really talked about Jarvis Landry much. We haven't talked about Devontae Parker, but you know, I know Landry's been safe, and a lot of people are t- telling me on Twitter, like, you're too low on Jarvis Landry. I'm really tempted to put Devontae Parker ahead of Jarvis Landry just because of what Jay Cutler said about him. <laughs> Jarvis Landry, is, it's, not a, it's not a great spot to be in with him, right? Jay Cutler's not known to be a checkdown quarterback. He's not a game-managing quarterback. He's not going to do that, despite what people think Adam Gase is going to do to Cutler. He's not. He's just not that quarterback. Uh, Landry, over the final 12 games of 2016, he went down to just seven targets a game after seeing nine targets per game over the first three years of his career. So the, the decline in targets already started. And with the money that they spent on Kenny Stills this offseason shows we're still going to have him involved. They've talked up nothing but talked up Devontae Parker, and he's looked every bit the part. Jake he's Hutler great. Obviously he's loves really him. good. He did. And he schooled uh, Ronald Darby this weekend. He just like kind of went over him, jumped over him, snagged the ball, ran for another 30 something yards. It was like a 72 yard gain, I want to say. Devontae Parker, he, he looks the part, and he's the guy that has legitimate wide receiver one upside, but he's being drafted as a wide receiver three. Again, I don't think I would put him over Landry, but can I see a scenario in which he outperforms him? Absolutely, which is why Devontae Parker is the better the, the better value in drafts, though. He's slowly moving up draft boards. I shouldn't even say slowly. He's rapidly moving up draft boards. Which is okay with me. I'm still taking him above his ADP. His ADP is 35 I've got him 29, and Jarvis Landry, I've got 26. So he is ahead of Parker for me, but it's pretty close. Now, someone else in this tier that is not in this tier for a lot of other people, but all of the most accurate experts we've been talking to love Terrell Williams. I've got him number 28. His ADP is number 41. Talk about someone with wide receiver one upside. We saw it last year. Yeah, he finishes the number 13 wide receiver last year, but the problem is is that Keenan Allen is coming back. He's going to steal targets. Hunter Henry is going to be a more prominent player with Antonio Gates coming back. Hey, by the way, Keenan Allen looks really, really good this preseason. Oh, he always looks good. Like, that's the thing. I've never said that the player himself has been like a bad player. I think he's a solid player. I just don't think that he has the upside that people wanted to believe that he was going to be a top five wide receiver or anything. Tyrell Williams, he's already finished better than than Keenan Allen ever has in his career, but the problem is, is finding the targets. You know, last year, the, the Chargers went out and they replaced Malcolm Floyd with a guy named Travis Benjamin, someone who everybody seems to have forgotten about. But this preseason, he's lit it up, you know, over 120 yards, two touchdowns. He looks really good. He looks healthy. He wasn't healthy last year. So finding those targets for Tyrell Williams, that's a problem. Uh, and for so for me, like Devontae Parker, he's someone I would take over him. But okay. I want to go back to Parker here. Would you take Devontae Parker over someone like, I don't want to say Kelvin Benjamin, but Emmanuel Sanders, Pierre Garçon? Uh, Not over Emmanuel Sanders, definitely over Pierre Garçon, and yes, over Kelvin Benjamin. Wow. I'm having difficulty getting to that point. I have Parker in the tier with the guys like Moncrief, Marshall, Deshaun Jackson, John Brown. I had to move John Brown down a little bit because of this whole sickle cell thing affecting his recovery time. Oh, man, but he looked so good in that last game. He looked like good old John Brown, Smokey Brown. Yes, rejoice, John Brown truthers, because John Brown... Man, if this if he was healthy enough, I could promise he'd be healthy for 16 games. I would draft him as like the wide receiver 25. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure if right I can me. guarantee I'd get 16 games. So and still have upside for more. Uh, but seeing him get on the field was Im- impressive. Two targets, two touchdowns. I mean, all he needs is 32 targets. He would score 32 touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, that would be really fantastic. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, the guys you mentioned here, they're kind of boring. Dante Moncrief, touchdown machine. Brandon Marshall, probably going to get quite a few targets. Like you said last year, he was pretty bad, uh, but he's in a better offense. He's playing opposite of Odell Beckham, which does help quite a bit. Eric Decker, I think, is in this tier. Another touchdown machine if he can stay healthy. I've actually got Martavis Bryant back here. I I know you're really high on him. Um, And then Jamison Crowder as well. Calvin Benjamin. So nothing too exciting in this tier. Uh, No real hot takes. Just, you know, guys that if they happen to fall, they're decent wide receiver threes or flex plays. 
Yeah, Martavis is someone I have up at number twenty-one, so I'm 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 pretty high on Martavis. I, there's room for him uh, in eight of his twenty-one career games. He has netted fourteen or more standard fantasy points. Uh, four of those games had twenty or more points. Like he's got game-breaking potential. And when you're drafting him as like a high-end wide receiver three, that's exactly what you want. You want game breakers who can win you a week. And and Martavis Bryant can do that. Yeah, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Parker, same type of players. I've got all three of them real close. Yeah, Stephon Diggs. And the, the, the interesting note on Stephon Diggs is. Is that they've said they're starting to work Adam Thielen into the slot and that he's going to be the primary slot receiver this year. And that makes a lot of sense because I said Diggs should be moved into the slot at times to create some mismatches, but I do not want Stefan Diggs to be locked into a slot role to be like a guy like Jarvis Landry. He's better than that. And the fact that they're they're willing to admit that and move forward, I love it. Stefan Diggs, man, he's he's so good. I just my my only worry about putting him higher than I have him is the limitations on on Sam Bradford. I just don't know if Sam Bradford can produce a top 12 wide receiver consistently, uh, which is why Diggs, for me, has settled into wide receiver two range. But I I love the player. I think he's a fantastic buy in Dynasty Leagues. If you're in a Dynasty League right now, go out and buy Stephon Diggs because you're going to get him for cheaper right now than you will in a month. Yeah, I mean, like I said, look at that schedule. It is the best schedule I have ever seen for a wide receiver. It is just cheating. Like, they don't play a single top... 12 defensive unit the entire season. Yeah, they play the Saints in week one, so that's always good. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely going to help as well. Uh, So, Tags, as we move to this next tier, this is where I start putting Kevin White, Corey Davis, Mm -hmm. John Brown. They've all got big ceilings. And then some safer guys, Willie Sneed, Pierre Garçon, Marvin Jones, Robbie Anderson. I even got Ted Ginn all the way up here with Randall Cobb. Ted Ginn deserves to be higher up the list than uh, I think I even I have put him because he's playing in two wide receiver sets. He doesn't even require uh, Willie Sneed to get on the field to get on the field. So Ted Ginn is playing opposite Michael Thomas in two wide receiver sets. Now, granted, the Saints, they're going to run three wide receiver sets more often than they're not. But the fact that Ginn is a full time player means a lot. And the one skill he has is like, let's go deep, bud. And Cam Newton was able to take, you know, take advantage of it. I have no doubts that Drew Brees will be able to take advantage of it. So Ted Ginn has been a bit undervalued in drafts, especially best ball. But I think he can give you wide receiver three value, you know, maybe 40, 50 percent of the time. And I think that's what you're searching for when you're taking someone, you know, in this double digit round territory, which is where this this tier of wide receivers is. Uh, but in this tier, I've actually I'm, I've been teetering, putting him in there. And Kendall Wright is moved up and I have him in my inside my top 55 wide receivers right now. Whoa. I mean. His Kendall Wright's, I mean, like I said, when I was going through the Kevin White stats, you have to figure out where these targets are going to go. And it's quite possible that Kendall Wright out targets Kevin White. Let's pretend that all these Kevin White haters are right. Let's pretend that, you know, he turns out to be nothing like the Bears had hoped and he's not very good. Kendall Wright has looked really good this preseason. The Bears went out. They got him as a free agent. I don't think talent has ever been the question with Kendall Wright. Uh, Apparently, it's some off the field stuff. I think that he had some issues in Tennessee with the coaching staff, and he turned into a locker room cancer is what they called him. But Kendall Wright, I don't think the talent's ever been a question. He's a former first round pick as well. So if he's going to get 100 plus targets, I, I mean, I think you can make the case that he should see 100 targets. And so having him as my wide receiver 55, I don't think that's too crazy. All right, Tag, so moving on to this next tier, who are a couple guys in this tier that, that you're fond of or that are surprising that they dropped all the way this uh, this far back? Corey Coleman's one that I think he should be considered a little bit higher than he is. He was he was brought into the Browns team to be a game changer. I know they brought in Kenny Britt, and I think that was out of necessity. You can't just run out Corey Coleman and a bunch of backup wide receivers in the field. So Kenny Britt, he hasn't he's been really quiet this this preseason. Corey Coleman, he may be more of a safety blanket than Kenny Britt is to Deshaun Kaiser, who's going to start week one. We got news that Deshaun Kaiser is going to start. Corey Coleman's a younger guy. Maybe they develop a bond between those two because you even saw in the preseason game, Corey Coleman led the team in wide receiving. So for everybody counting the chickens before they hatch with with Kenny Britt over Corey Coleman, I think it's it's very plausible that, that Corey Coleman finishes as the number one wide receiver on this team. And to see him being drafted, you know, I, I don't know how far he's fallen. I hadn't taken a look at him in a while, but I knew that he was falling down to like outside the top 50 wide receivers. So he's someone that I'm interested in. I think that the upside is there, especially with Kaiser at quarterback. I think it's likely that Corey Coleman beats Kenny Britt. I mean, I like Kenny Britt. I've gone on record and said it before, but I mean, you look at the ADP and people agree. Corey Coleman's being taken one spot ahead of Kenny Britt. I think he's probably the best, most talented receiver on this offense. And now that Deshaun Kaiser is the quarterback, I flipped my rankings on uh, on Kenny Britt and Corey Coleman a little bit just because of the type of quarterback he is. I, did you see that play 
where Deshaun Kaiser rolled out, threw it off his front foot as he's fading away, like a strike, 40 yards through a gap. It was absolutely beautiful tags, and I think that fits what Corey Coleman is a lot more than Kenny Britt. Yeah, I, I did see that play, and like it was one of the highlights from his performance, and it was it was kind of shocking to me that he was named the starter because there was a lot of bad parts to his performance. Like Deshaun Kaiser is a very young guy; he's 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 full of confidence. Like he doesn't lack confidence. That's the last thing that he lacks. I think he just lacks some maturity that it takes to play the position. Uh, and you you saw that. I think he completed just six of eighteen passes uh, in week three of the preseason. But Corey Coleman could be on the receiving end. You know, if he if he scrambles a little bit more because Kaiser can scramble. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, Coleman, like I said, when you're getting down this far, I'm looking for wide receivers who have the potential to be maybe every week starters. And Corey Coleman could fit that role. Like when he was drafted last year, he was expected to fill that role. Yeah. So I already mentioned Robbie Anderson, who I think is a really safe play on the Jets. Uh, He's got some serious speed on him. And I don't think people realize just how fast Robbie Anderson is. He was pretty good when he got on the field last year. So I think he does get right up there around 90 110 targets, even on the Jets offense, that's going to, you know, make him a a top 50 wide receiver. So his ADP right now is 58. You can get a great value on him. Uh, Then Adam Thielen, Mike Wallace, uh, Kenny Britt, as I mentioned, Rashard Matthews. There's a lot of safer plays in here. Zay Jones, who's a, a volume receiver. I actually like him more than Jordan Matthews right now for the Bills. Where do you stand on some of these guys and who else is in this tier for you? Uh, yeah, this is the tier where it gets down to where it's, it's a bunch of guys you're remaining hopeful on. Zay Jones was someone you mentioned, and he's someone who's moved up, but at the same time, I don't even know if he's playing in two wide receiver sets. They were saying that Andre Holmes was going to start as a, as a starter in two wide receiver They're sets. They're clearly trying to lose 16 games. They just don't care if Zay Jones isn't playing. I agree. They just traded their second round pick from last year for a fourth round pick next year. So uh, they're, 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 they're slowly going towards like rebuild mode, and we, we kind of know that already. So, you know, they don't play a whole lot of three wide receiver sets in Buffalo. Uh, so Zay Jones is someone who's down my board a little bit. You know, talking about the players that have upside and potential wide receiver one upside, Josh Doxson. Why are people forgetting about this guy? I know he's hurt right now, and he did. that's why he didn't play in the third preseason game. All signs indicate that he's going to play, be able to play in week one. But this is a guy who is 6'4". He was brought in to be the number one wide receiver for the Redskins. They knew that Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson were going to be leaving. They didn't know they were going to be getting Terrell Pryor, but they only signed Pryor to a one-year deal. I think that what they're trying to do here in Washington, they're trying to make Doxson that guy, and they need to see what they have. It's kind of like that Kevin White situation where we don't know if Josh Doxson is the player that they drafted, but we haven't seen any signs to indicate that he's not. Uh, more More him than Kevin White. So Doxson, is it possible that Doxson is the receiver that everybody's expecting Terrell Pryor to be? Ugh. And he's being drafted, you know, as wide receiver 60 right I don't know, man. I, I guess there's a scenario in which that happens. But Terrell Pryor, you look at him, he's one of the five, eight most talented wide receivers in football. Josh Doxson, he could be a top 20 guy, but I don't ever see a scenario where he would be a top five guy. I don't know. I, I, I can't really see that, but I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being the best wide receiver on this team. Well, I don't think that Terrell Pryor, even from a talent standpoint, is top five or even top ten. I won't, I won't even say top thirty, but he's a he's a specimen, right? He's he's a size speed freak, a guy that's going to be tough to hang with. It's like kind of like a Mike Evans, right? I don't think Mike Evans is the most talented or most gifted wide receiver, but he is blessed. Well, it depends on what you mean by talented and gifted, because that's what I mean is size, speed. You know that yeah. that's the package. It's hard to compete yeah. with that, right? Yeah, for sure. I, and. That's the, that's the thing. Josh Doxson, 6'4", 230 pounds. He could be a red zone threat. He could be everything that people are talking Terrell Pryor up. Uh, so, again, getting him at the – I just looked. He's the wide receiver 63 in drafts right now, being taken behind guys like, you know, boring guys, like maybe like a Cooper Cup or or Tyler Lockett. I would take Josh Doxson over Tyler Lockett every single yeah, day. Yeah, me too, definitely. Not even close. Who knows if Tyler Lockett's even going to play much this season. I know he's been on the field, but that is a severe injury to be coming back from. Um, now, a couple guys, you mentioned some players who were drafted much lower than where you have them. Marquise Lee right now is the number 81 wide receiver. He was one of the he was the number two wide receiver right behind Allen Robinson, even though he had much less uh, volume than uh, than Allen Robinson. I've got Marquise Lee all the way up at number 52. You've talked about Tavon Austin and uh, some of those stats. You know, you swayed my mind on him. I moved him up about 10 spots. Malcolm Mitchell, I just talked about earlier in this podcast. Devin Funches, huge upside guy. Top, uh, you know, he could be a, a big time red zone threat for Cam Newton. Um, J.J. Nelson, who Sean Corner talked me into, Laquan Treadwell, Chris Conley. This is where you start getting into your guys. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, oh, for sure. And I think my guys that I'd want to bring up and I have in the same tier is guys like Zay Jones and Josh Doxson who have that upside, but you know, you don't know if the opportunity will be there. These guys are going to have opportunity. Um, Paul Richardson and Devin Funches. Those are my guys right here. Uh, I, I will end up with them on a lot of my teams, except for my home leagues, because like, I, I kid you not, Bobby, I did not end up with John Brown. I didn't get Jeremy Macklin. I didn't get Paul Richardson. I walked away unhappy in my draft. And it's like the first time that's ever <laughs> happened uh, because I, I, I don't know. They, my home league got a lot smarter. This They're probably listening to your podcast, man. <laughs> I know a lot of them do. Uh, so if you're listening, guys, I hate you all. Um, but <laughs> Uh, Paul Richardson is someone even over the last four games last year, including the one playoff game for the Seahawks in four games, he posted 213 yards and two touchdowns, 15 catches. Uh, he's been running ahead of Jermaine curse in camp running alongside Doug Baldwin and two wide receiver sets. And as I've mentioned on the show before is that the, the, the Seahawks offense with Russell Wilson at the helm, they have finished as a top 10 scoring offense in all but one year. And that one year was last year when Russell Wilson was dinged up throughout the first half. He finishes a top four quarterback over the second half of the season. So Paul Richardson, if he is in there for two wide receiver sets, I am too low on him. And I have him at number 58 right now among wide receivers. I would make the case that he should be up there uh, in the top 40 wide receivers if I know he's going to be there in two wide receiver sets all year long. Tags, there's two wide receivers I want to ask you about that we just haven't talked about much all season. Brashad Perryman. Right now, he's being drafted number 71 wide receiver. This is a freak athlete, too, playing with Joe Flacco, who throws a ton of passes. I know they went out and got Jeremy Macklin, but he's still going to play a fair amount, right? He is. Uh, they do run a lot of three wide receiver sets. And as we mentioned, they do throw a lot in Baltimore. So, you know, there's always that potential. But here's the, here's the issue. Going through Joe Flacco's career, this is something I did when Jeremy Macklin was signed. I went through his entire career. He has never, ever in his career, and it's a pretty long career at this point, he has never supported three wide receivers in the top 70. So you could say, well, the depth has never been this far. I would say that the talent's never been this bad. Uh, Jeremy Macklin is the clear front runner here. Mike Wallace has always been a solid volume guy. He's getting older. So it's, it's possible that Perriman overtakes Wallace, but that's the thing for me. If you want to say Brashad Perriman's a potential breakout candidate, you need to either move Jeremy Macklin down or you need to move Mike Wallace way down. I have moved I've moved Wallace down to, you know, 45, 50 range in that in that area. Perriman right now is around number 70 for me. I, I, I just there is potential there, but I, I wasn't a huge fan of Perriman coming out of college. So I guess that's probably where my disconnect is with some people. I just I couldn't take him over some guys like Sterling Shepard, who I think is more talented. Uh, I wouldn't take him over, you know, someone like. Uh, even Cooper Cup, who I think is going to have a bigger role than he is. I don't. I wouldn't take him over Devin Funches. So, you know, there's guys that I would take over him that he's most likely being drafted in front of. You know, they've also had tight ends the entire time that Joe Flacco has been the quarterback, and now they have absolutely nothing. So, you know, maybe they just stop passing to the tight end and start passing to three wide receivers. I have him at the same spot as you do. I'm just playing devil's advocate. But, um, you know, Brashad Perriman is, is someone that among this group of players from 60 to 80, He's probably the most talented guy out there. I mean, you might be able to make a case for Kenny Galladay, but we haven't seen it enough yet, in my opinion. Um, now, the other guy I wanted to ask you about tags, Terrence Williams for the Dallas Cowboys. It looks like him or Cole Beasley are going to be playing a lot opposite of Des Bryant. Terrence Williams is a guy who's been very good in the red zone before. And with Des Bryant being shattered by these number one cornerbacks, do you think maybe Terrence Williams puts up another eight, nine, ten touchdown season? It's very possible. That's that's a name where I have him at 67, and I know he's going to finish better than that. I I, I just know he is uh, because he's a guy that uh, before last year, I think he had two or three seasons where he finished as a top 40 wide receiver in fantasy football just because of that, because he's not seeing top tier cornerbacks. He's not seeing any attention. No, no defense is worried about Terrence Williams, right? Yeah, um, I mean, you don't want to draft him for fantasy football because like what? Are you going to just choose the week that he's going to score two, three touchdowns? I don't want him in my starting lineup as a flex play. Exactly. That's exact. That's exactly why I'm done at 67. I know he's going to finish better than that, but I, I can't tell someone to draft him. Instead, I will say this, though. If you play in a PPR or half PPR, Cole Beasley is a solid play. Uh, he's a solid flex play if you need a bye week filler. Uh, he's someone who finished as a wide receiver three in seven of 16 games last year. 
yeah, he lacks ceiling. He's not going to score 25 points or anything like that. But Ryan Switzer, he's missed a lot of camp. He's not going to contribute right away. We have Jason Witten, who's old and a dad runner, and he's going to be fine. Jason Witten's <laughs> fine. I think he's undervalued. Uh, but Terrence Williams, he doesn't excite me. Does Bryant's going to see tons of, of coverage his way? So Cole Beasley is a, if you're looking for a guy to just stick on the end of your roster and like, you know, when I have a bye week, I'm going to throw him in. Cole Beasley in a PPR league, especially, he makes a solid, solid filler. Okay, Tags, before we end this, we're each going to give two final names, just complete flyers for deeper leagues, someone that you think could be a wide receiver three if uh, if everything turns right. I'll start us off, D.D. Westbrook. I know that they've been talking about trading Alan Hearns or maybe just cutting him loose, and Alan Hearns is a talented player. The reason why is because Westbrook has just been balling this preseason. If you watch him play, he's one of the most talented wide receivers that came out of this draft class. He just has so many off-the-field issues we haven't seen that yet, so if he's going to be on the field, I see no reason why he couldn't be the wide receiver two behind Allen Robinson in Jacksonville. I know that's not very exciting with Blake Bortles, but we're talking about someone drafted 109 for the wide receivers right now, and this is someone who could someday be an every week fantasy relevant type of player. Yeah, I, it, it's it's we're at the part where it's like you're, we're searching for things, right? And Dede Westbrook is someone who was really good in college. We just don't know if his size is going to extremely good. Yeah, he, yeah, he's so little. He's a very little guy. But I think it requires a couple injuries. I think Jacksonville throws the ball 100 fewer times this year, if not more than that. I think they try and hide their passing game. So I, I think everybody there takes a dip down. Allen Robinson's the one who's obviously going to see the most volume. But Allen Hearns and Marquise Lee, those are going to fight for the scraps. I mean, going down this far, it's tough. The running backs are easier to find those late round targets that, you know, outside the top 60 at their position because you're just searching for one injury and all of a sudden they're locked into, you know, 15 to 20 touches where if there's an injury to a wide receiver, it's tough to find someone down this way that's going to walk into eight to 10 targets per game. You can't do that. So that it's it's tough for me. But if you're if you want to go down here and say, Mike, who talent wise has the potential to finish in the is a top? 36 wide receiver. You could say that Corderell Patterson may have fallen into a better situation than you think. Uh, Seth Roberts is not very good. And when they signed him in Oakland, I was like, well, maybe Corderell Patterson can take over for Seth Roberts in that slot role. And that, and as you know, he has out-targeted Amari Cooper in the red zone over the last couple of years. He so doubled Cordell, him, doubled him in the red zone, 20 targets last year. It's nuts. And Cordero Patterson, is a, he's, a, he's an animal with the ball in his hand. The question is, can he catch the ball? Um, you know, he was expected to be a lot better when he came out. Uh, Laquan Treadwell, he's another one down the boards where Stefan Diggs, as much as I love him, he's been questionable to stay healthy throughout his career. Adam Thielen, he showed a little bit last year. We don't know if he's for real. Laquan Treadwell, we know the talent's there. Uh, you know, like I said, when you go down this far in the list, you're looking for guys who had sky high potential. Um, Travis Benjamin is a name I would throw out there as a potential wide receiver three. Yeah. Because if you remember, Mal- Malcolm Floyd, every single season finished as like a top 40 wide receiver. Nobody really wanted to draft him. They just played him, spot started him here and there. But Travis Benjamin, uh, he's looked really good. Uh, he'll see a lot of uh, single coverage. And when you have the speed that he does, you're going to beat it sometimes. And Phillip Rivers can get the ball downfield. So uh, if you're looking for someone who's potentially just an every week wide receiver three, Travis Benjamin's not a bad place to start. The other two guys I'm fond of, Philip Dorsett, um, you know, he's just a T.Y. Hilton light. If T.Y. Hilton was to go down, which is the type of thing we saw, you know, Keenan Allen went down, Terrell Williams popped up. Philip Dorsett would be a, a top 30 wide receiver, in, in my opinion, if T.Y. Hilton went down, as long as Andrew Luck's healthy, that is. Um, and the other guy is Marquise Goodwin. I don't think he's especially talented, but somebody has to get the ball in San Francisco. And uh, I think Goodwin's going to be on the field for quite a few snaps. So we don't know much about him, but maybe we'll find out that he's all right. The good one is interesting. Some people have been mentioning his name recently, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a board, but I, I'm not saying that there's a zero percent chance because yeah, exactly. you know, they brought him in via free agency. They they handpicked him in free agency pool, and there was a lot of wide receivers out there. I will mention one last name, and I, I'm I'm probably going to regret doing this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Torrey Smith. <laughs> um, we know Alshon Jeffrey has been a, a not a picture of perfect health throughout his career. We know that he's been a bit inconsistent. We saw Torrey Smith utilize the arm of Carson Wentz in, in week three of the preseason. He only saw the one target, but he burned that cornerback. He still has the speed. He's a guy that every year in Baltimore, he finishes a top 25 wide receiver. So he's he's able to do it with the volume. So if for whatever reason he walks into 100 targets, Torrey Smith is going to finish as a top 30 wide receiver. So uh, again, we're looking for guys. This, this is... 
these guys are going undrafted in a lot of places, but a name to keep an eye on the waiver wire. If you see Torrey Smith get six, seven targets in week one, you want to pick him up. All right, Tags. Well, that's all we have for the show today. Good stuff, buddy. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was, uh, there was a lot of injuries to cover here. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have been reaching out to, I know both, both of us, we're both getting tagged in a lot of these tweets and people saying, you know, people didn't like these guys a couple weeks ago and now they love them. Like, what's the deal? And I hope this show answered those questions because I, I wanted to make sure you guys were prepared and understood why we like these players. Whereas like I was betting against Kevin White before, but right now it's hard not to like him. The volume's there, you know, guys like Kareem Hunt. There's a reason that we love him now. I, I always said, you know, when I did my Spencer Ware article, I said, you know, Spencer Ware, if, if, if Kareem Hunt didn't exist, Spencer Ware would have been drafted in the second round. That's where we're at now with Kareem Hunt. You know, he may not be as talented, in my opinion, as Spencer Ware, but it's all about the system. And that's why I advocated saying you could even draft Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt. I know some people did that and it's paying off now. Yeah. And uh, the the don't draft the defense strategy. I got a couple guys who wrote into me on Twitter saying, I'm so glad I did this because I ended up getting Kareem Hunt with my last pick instead of that defense. (laughs) And I would have had to pay like 60 fab bucks to get him. But instead I had him and, uh, you know, now I can just drop somebody else to pick up a defense. So. That strategy does work off. It does pay off sometimes. I don't think Kareem Hunt's going to drop to the last round in most of your drafts. But if you play in a 10-team league or whatever with a you know shallow bench, that kind of stuff happens. So I'm going to keep doing it. Not crossing my fingers for anyone to get hurt. But if they do, I've got their backup running backs. Anyways, we've got two more shows coming up later this week. If you haven't already, subscribe and review us on iTunes. Take a screenshot and send it into contest at fantasypros.com so you can try to get your hands on that signed Odell Beckham jersey from pristineauction.com. Thanks again to the sponsors of today's show, playdraft.com slash fantasypros and stamps.com. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve